so heavy, we can't even write it down. We don't want to admit that that's what's going on in our life. So I'm going to pray for all of these cards in my hand. I'm going to pray for all of the needs here in this room. Um, so God, thank you. Thank you for getting us here. Some of us, it was really hard to get here, but we're here. God, we pray for every need in this room. Every sickness would be healed. Every relationship would be mended. Every broken home would be rebuilt, God. That our, our personal struggles, our mental health, God, that you would start building that and redeem it and make us healthy again, God. That you would intervene in our lives and bring healing. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Mosaic. My name is Madi. As you can tell, I am not Angel Flores, the lead pastor of this church. But this week, this, this absence was planned. Some of y'all were like, oh no, Angel got caught in a rear naked chokehold, arm bar, bell hop, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know jujitsu. But no, he's fine. This was a planned absence, so he'll be back next week. And if you've never heard him speak, you have to come back. He's a really good communicator. He's also my dad. Um, so yes, please come back. We have been going through this series called A Better Way. So we've looked at how to walk slowly in a very busy world, how to, how to walk the way Jesus intended us to. We've learned how to walk with Jesus when we're experiencing emotions and grief and hard times. We've learned how to walk slowly and that things, the good things in life take time. And today we're gonna talk about something that could use our attention, something that we need a better way, and that is that comparison kills joy. There we go. Um, and so this is something I deal with every day, I'm sure you deal with it, where we just compare ourselves to one another all the time, even as far as how fast are they going in the lane, right? That's how fast I'm gonna go. How, how much sugar did you get in your coffee? That's how much sugar I'll get, but sometimes it goes much, much deeper. And so this is Professor Jin Kyun Lee. He's a professor of philosophy at Hongjik University in South Korea, and he did a study on comparison. So he did an experiment with 236 participants. He took these people and he measured three things. He measured their self-esteem, he measured their social support, like how, how supported they felt by their friends and their family, how much loved ones they had surrounding them, how involved they were in their lives. So that's number two. And number three, he measured their overall psychological well-being, just overall how are they doing. And then he did the experiment. And the experiment is interesting because nothing in their life really changed except what they consumed on social media. And what he had them consume was people in their same age range, in similar parts of the country, their content. So they were only looking at other people around their ages, their content. And as you can imagine, the findings were very interesting. All three of those categories, their self-esteem, their perceived social support, and their overall psychological well-being were all negatively impact, impacted because comparison kills joy. If we are comparing ourselves all the time, that's going to eat away at our joy. And maybe you've recently graduated and you're still trying to figure out like what your next steps are in your career and you're looking at other people your age saying, man, he already, he's already climbing up the ladder. She seems to know what she wants to do. She's going back to school. Or maybe you're ready to get married and start a family and you really crave that partnership and somehow it's not happening for you but you look around and it's happening for everyone else. 
Maybe you're getting ready to retire. You're at that age and you're like, I have no idea how I'm gonna retire. I, I, I don't know how anyone else my age is doing it, but all you can see on Facebook is people your age retiring and vacationing and you think to yourself, I must be doing something wrong. Something must be wrong with me that my life isn't as good as everyone else's. But that's because comparison kills joy. So we're gonna look at two different stories in the Bible. One story is one of how comparison can lead to tragedy. If we're not careful with how we guard our heart and how we view our life, comparison can lead to very tragic events. And the other story is one of redemption, one where Jesus looks at us and says, I know you're gonna compare yourself, but here's what I offer instead. So in our first story, we meet Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are sons of Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve um, have two boys, and they are Cain and Abel. First is born Cain. Cain is the oldest one. And then in Genesis chapter 4, we meet Abel. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So Cain was a farmer. He did all of the plants and all the harvesting, and his brother Abel took care of the animals. He had the livestock. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So what this means is that over time they brought offerings, just like you and I, right? We offer things all throughout the day to our family and our employers or even offering here at church. And Cain had his harvest and he brought some of it to the Lord, some of it to give thanks. And Abel also had his harvest of flocks and he brought the best, the firstborn of his flock. Cain, was, Cain and Abel had equal, um, like, prophets. They were equally as successful. They had just as much opportunities as each other. But Cain brought some, average, and Abel brought the best. And I think to myself, how often do we do that? How often do I do that? oh, I really want this job, and I pray for this job, and I apply for it, and I put on my nicest shirt, and I lie a little bit on my resume, right, to get this job, and I get an interview, and then I'm so excited, and I pray, and I check my email all the time, and then I get the job. And for this first six months, I am the best employee there, okay? And then six months goes by, and I'm like, they better pay me more if they expect me to get here on time, right? Or we want kids, and we pray, God, please help us get pregnant. We really want a baby, and then we're... We have a baby and we're pregnant and we're praying, God, please let this baby come here healthy. God, please, please protect this baby. And then that baby turns to like three or four years old and those babies don't listen anymore, man. They're built different. There's something different about that baby. And then we start giving that baby some of our patience and some of our attention and some of our gentleness. I know I'm definitely guilty of that. Or with our finances, we are generous and we start being generous to those around us and giving. And then time goes by and we start to just bring some. And we start to notice our attitude shifting around generosity. Or with our relationships, we start dating this person and we text them all the time and we respond quickly and we even have a Snapchat streak of like 50 days going, right? We are obsessed with this person. We go on dates and we schedule things and we make time for them in our calendar. And then a few years goes by we start sending those calls to voicemail. We start planning things in our calendar. It's hard. It's hard to always give your best. Verse three to five. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and Cain's offering, he did not look on with favor. 
So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So the Lord looks at Abel and says, okay, Abel brought me his best. He brought the best of his flock. I look at him with favor. And then he looks at Cain and Cain's attitude is like, you'll take whatever I give you. And the Lord does not look with him on favor, does not look with him on with favor. You know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must roll over it. And I, so the New Living Translation version says that the Lord told Cain, you'll be accepted if you do what is right. Why are you angry? And I love this image because to me, it looks like the Lord is showing him compassion, right? Why are you angry? Instead of like, you know, when you would get in trouble as a kid, you better wipe that look off your face before I wipe it off for you, right? <laughs> Y'all remember that? Or do you want the dark meat or the light meat? Or te calmas o te calmo, right? <laughs> some of us are gonna have to call our therapist after this It brought back some bad memories. <laughs> but that's not what the Lord did. He didn't scold him. He didn't say, why are you mad? Knock it off. He said, what's the matter? What's going on with you? And I believe it's because the Lord is giving him the opportunity to examine himself, another way of what's going on. And the Lord already knows what's going on, right? He's all powerful, all knowing, but he's giving Cain the opportunity to examine himself, say, why am I angry? And I think if Cain was honest with himself, he would say, I'm angry because that guy's making me look bad, because that guy's doing the best and I'm not, and that makes me mad, instead of, I'm angry because I know I'm not giving my best. I need to work on myself. He's focused on his brother. And I think if we're all honest in this room, some of us, some of us online, some of us here, the reason why we're angry is because we're watching other people around us give their best, and now they're getting promoted, and now they're celebrating wedding anniversaries, and they actually still like their partner, right? Or they have good relationships with their kids, or their bodies in great health, and if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we're not always giving our best. We move on, it says that Cain said to his brother Abel, now let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So Cain takes his eyes off his own mission. His mission was to grow, you know, harvest uh, plants and grow the crops and his brother was gonna be the livestock. And could you imagine that partnership? He does the livestock, Cain does the crops. They're, they would be great, great match. But instead, Cain gets overcome with jealousy and that sin that, G, that the Lord warned him about, crouching on his heart, and he gave in to that anger. And ultimately, it ends in tragedy because comparison kills joy. So I have two boys. Their names are Malcolm and Monty. They're three and four years old. I do not recommend doing the all M thing. It gets very confusing. People don't know which one's which all the time, right? <laughs> don't do it. But anyway, I take them to the dentist. And I'm in the mom chair, and the dentist is looking at their teeth. And she looks at me, and she goes, do you even floss their teeth? And the way she said it to me, it brought up some ghetto feelings. I was like, we're about to tussle in this examination room right now, ma'am. And I was so mad and I was embarrassed and my pride was hurt, right? Like it was this uncomfortable feeling. And so what did I do to cope? I prayed. No, I didn't. I texted all my friends and I said, has your kid ever had a cavity? Because <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought that'd make me feel better. And the one friends that I'm like, okay, She's a good mom, she never gives her kids sugar, she's for sure gonna say no. But then these moms over here, these are my bad moms friends, like me, right? So they're for sure gonna have kids who have cavities. 
And do you want to know what happened? Not a single one had kids with cavities. And it made me feel worse because comparing either makes you feel superior or inferior and neither honors God. If all of my friends would have said, oh yeah, my kid has had 10 cavities, and I would have been like, hmm, my kid's only had one, sucker, I'm better than you, <laughs> right? Comparing is not what God has planned for us. But not all comparison stories in the Bible end in tragedy. So we're gonna look at a new story in the New Testament. So Jesus had 12 disciples, but of those 12, he had a close three. They were like his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. But this story is gonna focus on Peter and John. And this story takes place, Jesus has been crucified, he was in the tomb, but then Mary goes to the tomb and it's empty. So she comes running to tell Peter and John, and we're gonna see what happens. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So I wanna point something interesting out here. John is writing this. So he said, she came running to Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. He's talking about himself. He could have said, she came to Peter and I, to me and Peter. She came running to the both of us. But instead, he said, Peter and God's favorite, Jesus's favorite. Does anyone have any siblings who does that? I'm mom and dad's favorite. Point to them so we know who's toxic, okay? <laughs> I want to know. So it's like shows us this brief little glimpse into their kind of sibling rivalry. They weren't really siblings, but this is kind of some rivalry, right? So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, John referring to himself, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Also a very interesting thing to put in the Bible, right? Like me and Peter started running and I'm faster than him. I want everybody for all history to know that I'm faster. And so when I think of this story, here's what I imagine. Right? Like, oh, I'm going to get there first. And then like, okay, I need to make sure everybody knows that I really did get there first. But the quick backstory on Peter is that the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter told, Jesus told Peter, Peter, you are going to say that you don't know me. You're going to betray me three times. And Peter's like, no, I would never do that. I'm with you till the very end. And sure enough, that night that Jesus was crucified, Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. Three times he says, nope, I've never met that man. And this was Jesus's inner circle, his best, right? One of his closest friends says, I don't know who that man is. Well, now Jesus has died, but he's been resurrected, and they're having a meal together. And it's this beautiful image for me of redemption and forgiveness and how Jesus looks at you and I and says, you're forgiven. And I love it because Peter is just like you and I. And even though he's been given this great gift of forgiveness, we're gonna see what he chooses to say and chooses to do with it. So John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. So Peter 
has just not, you know, a couple days ago betrayed Jesus saying, I don't know you, but then Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, do you love me? And he asks him this three times. Jesus asks Peter three times if he loves him, three times to wash out the three times that Peter had denied knowing him. So Jesus is saying, you're forgiven, I forgive you. You are redeemed and I have a plan for you. My plan for you is to feed my lambs. And that same offer is here for you and I. Jesus is looking at you saying, I forgive you and I love you and you are redeemed and I have a plan for you because there is nothing that you and I could ever do that could separate us from the love of God. So here's Jesus forgiving Peter, and then he's saying, I want you to feed my lambs. So let's see what Peter says to him. And just for some context, when Jesus is saying feed my lambs, he doesn't mean like actual sheep, he's talking about people. I want you to give the people in the world my love and my knowledge and my wisdom and my forgiveness. So Peter says, Peter turned and saw the other disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. When Peter saw him, he's asked, Lord, what about him? So Peter is looking at John, and Peter says, okay, yeah, thank you, but what about him? What about John? And I think that's so interesting because he had just been forgiven. He had just been given the second chance, but all he can do is turn around and say, wait, what about John? What are you gonna give John? What's John's next step? What's John's mission? I wanna know about John. And you and I are the same way. We have a mission and we have a plan and we're going on the route and we're going down the, the road that we think God called us to, but oftentimes we just look. Where's John? What are they doing? What's that John doing? How much does that John make? Where is that John going to school? But we cannot faithfully walk in our mission if we're always comparing ourselves to somebody else. Peter's looking at John, even though Jesus had just been in front of him, was saying, hey, come follow me, and he's focused on John. So let's see what Jesus' response is when Peter says, yeah, but what about John? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Did y'all hear that? He said, what's that to you? He doesn't have anything to do with you. I'm talking to you, and you are supposed to feed my sheep, and you are supposed to take care of my lambs, and you must follow me. What is John to you? And maybe your mission in life is to raise children who don't have to heal from any abuse, don't have to heal from their childhood, and you're doing a great job. You're a patient parent, and you're a vigilant parent, and you're taking care of your kids, but as soon as you get on social media, and see your bestie who took her three-month-old to swim lessons, and you go, ah, oh, I'm a bad mom, right? We just compare ourselves all the time. Or maybe your mission might be to be a provider of your household, and you're doing a great job. You're providing for your family. You're giving them a roof over their head, but then you look at your neighbor, and you think, oh, my God, he's always updating the patio, and he's always restaining the deck, and I don't even have the time or energy to go replace our burnt-out light bulbs, right? If we're always looking at John, we're not gonna be able to look at our mission. What is that to you? And I don't know your mission, only you do. Or maybe you don't yet. Maybe you don't know your mission yet, and that's okay too. God has one for you, we just have to pay attention and look at the next steps. But I'll tell you one thing, you can't look at other people to see what your direction should be. If you look at someone else and say, what should I be doing with my life? That would be like, have y'all ever been to 
like a pumpkin patch. Yeah, my family and I, me and my brothers and my parents, we go to Pumpkin Pickin Paradise in Milliken. Very cute name, very cute pumpkin patch. But then we go to this pumpkin patch and there's like a tarp patch. So it's not really a corn, corn maze, but it's like a tarp maze. And so all of us go into this tarp maze and then we always regret it like seven minutes in because no one can find their way out. We're all hungry, it's so hot, we're all fighting, right? And so if I were to look to my brother in that corn maze and say, Caleb, which way should I go? Well, he's somewhere else. He's gonna tell me, I don't know, but I'm turning right. And I'm gonna look around and say, I can't turn right. That has no help to me. And that's what it's like when we look to our neighbor and ask for their opinion on what our next step should be. That's what it's like when we look to John. We can't answer your question because we're also trying to answer our own questions. And what's right for me might not be right for you because my purpose might not be your purpose. God might be telling you, it's time for you to get out of debt. I have big plans for your finances. I want to give you a legacy for your family. This is what I want you to do next. God might be telling you to start that business you've been thinking about or go for that promotion that's been up or go for a different job that's challenging and higher paying and something that would be a stretch for you. God might be telling you it's time to forgive your spouse and reconcile or God might be calling you to something different that you, you won't even see yet, but that's what your mission is. If someone were to ask me, Madi, like, what's your mission? I'd say, um, to love my husband selflessly, because I'm kind of a selfish person. I'm a tit-for-tat person. <laughs> like, you do this for me, I'll do that for you. But marriage has really taught me, like, mm, that doesn't really work. Or my other part of my mission might be to raise children who feel the love of God and feel my love and can walk in their purpose. And maybe another part of my life's mission is to use my God-given talents and abilities to contribute to my community and my world around me. But like, how am I gonna contribute to my world around me? Or in what capacity? I have no idea. I'm a 32-year-old teenager, okay? I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> and this is actually an interesting like, part of my life because I'm 32, but I feel 22. And I was telling someone about that, like, it's weird because I'm growing older, but I don't really feel older. Like, it's this weird part of maybe millennialness or middle quarter life crisis. And I was telling this woman, and she was like 65, and she goes, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Sometimes I still can't believe I'm a mom. And I was like, girl, your son's like 37 years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> but it's like this feeling of, am I in the right place? Because when I look over here, they have it figured out. When I look over there, they know exactly what they're doing. But I feel unrocky all the time. I feel like I'm not on solid ground. But God put you here for a purpose. And if we're comparing ourselves all the time, it's so hard to see what that purpose is. So we're gonna look at a study that was done. They took two Kapuchkin monkeys. And the monkeys knew this ritual. They would do this experiment with a trainer. The trainer would give them a rock. And if the monkey did what was right, you know, to put the rock down and then put it back through the hole again, they would get a cucumber as a reward. Over and over for hours and hours, cucumbers. They would get a cucumber and they loved cucumber. They were happy with cucumber as their reward the whole time. But then you'll see what happens when the trainer introduces grapes. Turned out to be right. The one on the left is the monkey who gets cucumber. The one on the right is the one who gets grapes. The one who gets cucumber, note that the first piece of cucumber is perfectly fine. The first piece he eats. 
and then she sees the other one getting grape and you will see what happens. So she gives a rock to us, that's the task, and we give her a piece of cucumber and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us, and that's what she does, and she gets a grape, and she eats it. The other one sees that, she gives a rock to us now, gets again cucumber. She tests the rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us. And she gets cucumber again. In our most primal animals, we compare. We look at each other and say, wait, that's what you have? Why don't I have that? And I am guilty of this time and time and time again. And something interesting to me about when Jesus gave Peter his mission is he didn't say, hey, Peter, I want you to marry this person, and then I want you to have this job for this many years, and then I want you to live in this town, and then after that, I want you to move to this other town. He didn't do that. He said, I want you to feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. You must follow me. And that was it. Everything else falls into place. If we take care of our of the sheep around us, of the people around us, if we speak kindly to those around us, if we love people the way that God intended us to love them, everything else feels like it's falling into place. But when we look at, you know, I have this, this relationship and I was proud of it and we were nurturing it and we were, we were progressing and we were moving forward, but then I look at this person's marriage and I think, mm, theirs is better. Then we turn right back into Cain and right back into those monies, monkeys where we're comparing ourselves and we're dissatisfied because comparison will kill all of our joy if we don't take care of our sheep, feed our lambs, and follow him. So I'm gonna pray for us that this week God would help us to keep our eyes on him and keep our eyes off of John. God, thank you. Thank you for getting us here this morning. Thank you for your vision. Thank you for your plan for our lives. And God, if those of us in this room, we still don't really know what our plan is for our our lives, we don't really know which way we're supposed to go. Will you give us that clarity and that contentment and that peace? God, for those of us in this room that feel like we're always competing, we're looking around at those around us and we're saying, why don't I feel good enough? God, will you give us that contentment, will you give us that peace, and will you give us that fulfillment that only comes from you? Amen. Will you sing this last verse with us and stand? Who the sun sets free, oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of incredible timely message. I know for me, it's really easy to uh, compare and do that. Uh, we had a day, right? So I'm sitting here just feeling, you know, a little convicted because 
Uh, three of the four of our vehicles, we've got two teenagers that drive, and then Katie and I, three of the four of our vehicles broke down in the last 24 hours, okay? So it's really easy to drive around and be like, I bet no one else has car troubles like we do, and they're brand new, nice, fancy, shiny ones, right? And But uh, anyway, so you may be seated. Um, the whole reason that Mosaic Church exists is, um, is uh, to connect people in Jesus and help them grow in their faith and um, it's really easy as we sit and we compare, especially like whether it's nice shiny vehicles or a beautiful home or relationships that we look at others and we think they've got it all put together. Um, truly, I just, I love the way Madi drew, you know, kind of drove home the fact of don't worry about like, like, don't worry about it. Like what's that got to do with you? Talk to me, focus on me. And the number one way to focus on him is to, is to give your life to Christ and to, to focus on him, put him number one in your life and everything you do. And so we don't ever like to end a service without giving you the opportunity to do that. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, we're gonna say a very simple prayer. There's no magical words, but you just bring the heart behind it so that no one feels embarrassed or singled out. Just repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for the son, your son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for my sins. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to wash away those sins. Come into my heart, be Lord in my life. I make you number one in everything I do. Help me to serve you from this day forward. Amen. You said that prayer for the first time. We wanna welcome, welcome you to the family of God. Um, if you would do us a favor, you would scan that QR code. It's gonna take you to a link tree. If you would just uh, scroll down to where it says uh, new believer, we have some information that we wanna send you, help you in your walk with God, it's a free gift and all that. Uh, but if it's your first time visiting Mosaic Church, we wanna say welcome. We're very glad that you took some time out of your day to visit us. Uh, if you wouldn't mind scanning that QR code as well, you can either go down to where it says new to Mosaic, or if you've been coming for a few weeks, you can do that. Uh, we uh, want you to basically give us your social security number, your credit card information, no big deal, we just you know, have a few things we still need around the church, just kidding. Um, but if you are new and, uh, or if, if you've been coming and um, you want some more information, text WELCOME to the number that you see there on the screen. We're just gonna send you some information about the church, follow up with you, give you some information on things that are happening. Um, a lot of times when, you, when you're coming to a new place, you're like, well, what's going on at the church? Well, so you can scan the website or you can um, you know, do all that, so we just wanna connect with you on that stuff. Um, okay, um, one other thing, we have a couple quick announcements. Um, tonight, July 30th, the worship night that we had planned is canceled, unfortunately. Uh, I know, I know. Pastor Benji, unfortunately, is homesick with, uh, with COVID, so uh, let's pray for a speedy recovery for him. But yeah, unfortunately, we'll have to cancel that. Uh, two things coming up one week from today. We have Saturday, first Saturday prayer at 9 a.m. here in, in the sanctuary where we just get together and we, we pray uh, corporately as a church for our city, for our country, and for um, some of these prayer cards. I mean, that's a pretty thick stack that we've got, guys. We've got a lot of stuff, folks, going on. And then next Sunday, so a week from today, we have baptisms on August 6th. So if you would like to sign up, you can sign up through the QR code and go down to baptism. Um, or if you wanna just stop by, if you're not great with the technology, you can stop by the information center and we'll make sure that you get signed up, okay? So I know that was a lot, um, but uh, guys, just wanna emphasize again, pray for folks in our church, right? It's so easy for us to sit and compare, and even it's easy for us to read through, it's like, man, someone's always got it worse, or someone's always got it better. That's still comparing. And we just wanna make sure that not only are we praying, you know, we can pray to God for our own needs, but pray for those in our church. And so um, last piece, of, uh, we're gonna do our, take our tithe and our offering. 
Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, there's four ways that you can do that. You can see up on the screen. Uh, text any amount to 84321 or you can do it on the Church Center app or in person right there at the steel box. So we're going to pray over this morning's tithe and offering and we'll dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all of your grace, your mercy, your provision in our lives, Lord. Forgive us for the times that we've compared what we have going on in our lives, Father God, in our own walk, uh, Father God, that we've mistaken it for others. Lord, we give you this, this uh, tithe, this offering with a full and a joyful heart. Father, we give to your church generously because we know that you're gonna use it to have an impact on the spiritual climate here in Northern Colorado and beyond, Lord. We love you, we praise you. Thank you for all of your grace and your goodness and your mercy in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. You guys are dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. We got some folks up here.